everyone and welcome to another episode of I Hope I Get It. I'm Taryn Stein. Thank you for tuning in and don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to making sure that we reach more listeners. Our sponsor this week is one of my favorite podcasts, Are You Okay with Teeny Lewis? Are You Okay is brought to you by Toronto's Teeny Lewis, where she unpacks why nobody is okay, including herself. Teeny is a Canadian performer learning how to navigate the world's uncertainty all while making you laugh and never taking yourself too seriously. There's always so much to discuss with Teeny behind the mic. Teeny was also one of our very first guests on this podcast, so make sure you subscribe to Are You Okay for laughs, truths, and a wild time. This week, my guest is Andrew Hendrick. Andrew is, is an actor and producer based in New York City, most recently seen as the constable in the Broadway national tour of Fiddler on the Roof. Additional national tour credits include Kinky Boots, Bullets Over Broadway, and Jekyll and Hyde. Andrew has also performed with Disney Cruise Line aboard the Disney Dream. Andrew is also a co-producer of the Broadway musical Be More Chill, which opened on the West End in February 2020. In 2018, Andrew served as the executive producer for the Grammy-nominated cast album of My Fair Lady. Andrew, thank you so, so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to talk to you. I feel like you have so much experience and you have so much going on. I just want to know everything. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me, Taryn. Uh, it's good to see you. I know. I know this is a podcast, and so you're yes. just hearing our voices, but I can currently see your face. It's so and good to that see is you. fantastic because it's been what a couple of years. Yeah, it's been a long time. So uh, yeah. <laughs> Andrew and I met when we both worked for Disney Cruise Line. Um, mm -hmm. So, like I always say with my guests that are my friends from Disney, let's start there. Tell me how you ended up let's... as a performer on the Disney dream. Sure. Well, you know, my DCL audition stories go back a lot farther than when I auditioned and eventually got the job. Oh, okay. Um, funnily enough, I, you know, I listened to a few of your previous episodes to, to get an idea of what the podcast was like. Yeah. And um, I remember with questions about, you know, different kinds of auditions. And it was funny because the first time I auditioned um, for... DCL was I think right out of college and I was in for Hades in Villains Tonight. Oh yes, great and show. I think this was I think this was even before they had done BGA contracts, the Broadway guest artist. Oh contracts. yes, yes, yeah. So I was just auditioning for to be a main stage um, actor in the shows mm -hmm. and I I've, I had two auditions for DCL. One was with Genie Material and one okay. was with Hades material. Okay. And um, I did not get, I did not get it. And I did really bomb one of those auditions, which I'm <laughs> sure when you ask about a terrible audition, we can go into that more. But <laughs> um, one of those was not a good audition. Um, and then when I actually got it, I had actually, I had at that point done two national tours of uh, shows in the States. Okay. And at the time, didn't see myself leaving to do a, a long cruise contract yeah um i had just gotten back from a tour i was doing a regional production in long island new york uh, of 1776 which is an awesome show so um, great i love that show. and and my agent wrote me and said hey we've got this self-tape request for disney cruise line for the role of genie 
And I had just gone through like four months of callbacks for the Broadway production of Aladdin. I was not auditioning for Genie in that production, Mm -hmm. but I had been doing, I had, you know, it was one of those, like I was in auditions and callbacks for it. And I was so excited about booking the tour or the Broadway production. Yeah. And I was all in Aladdin land and um, that ended up not happening. But like two days later, my agent was like, what about Genie on the Disney cruise line? And I was like, (laughs) well, shoot, let's, let's film a video. Um, Remembering that I had bombed an audition for Genie before. Yeah. Um, So I filmed the tape. And the next day had an offer to do it. And oh so then God, I was so faced quickly. with like, it was super fast. And I, I've heard stories from people who, you know, who I got to know and become, you know, friends and family on the yeah. ship, how long they had auditioned. Yes. Um, this was, I'm guessing they had either lost someone that they had already hired or just had a hole to fill. And mm-hmm. they saw my video and I got the job from there. I didn't actually audition in person um, for that. Uh, and so then I was kind of faced with making the decision, okay, am I going to now take myself out of the audition circuit for nine months and go do a ship contract? Um, and, and at that time, I think if there was a cruise line I wanted to work for, being like a lifelong Disney fan, yes. it was Disney Cruise Line. And yes. so and I decided- the standard, I think, is just, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's in I mean, the sky. Truth be told, I had never set foot on a cruise ship Mm-hmm. before that, that's kind of a lie when I was a very young child my parents told me they took us on this like weekend cruise to the Bahamas not Disney yeah. I don't remember the cruise line I don't remember it really at all but I'm gonna go ahead and say like as an adult with a conscience like a, a memory yeah. uh, I had not ever been on a cruise ship before so it was a big it was a, it was a leap but you know I was getting to play this awesome character yeah. and I figured what the hell let's do it so I did it. And you're right. It's such a big leap because I was, um, I mentioned in a, in a earlier uh, episode that because it's, you're not just going onto a ship and being a performer. There is so many other elements attached to that. There's all this safety training that's atta- attached to it. There's all the um, Disney brand training that's attached to all of that. So, you, you know, you're conscious of all of this while trying to perform three shows, you know, for a three-day yeah. cruise. So you have two I, I shows not, a day. There was yeah. a lot. Yeah, there was a lot that I was not aware that the job entailed before right. I took the job. Right. Um I, I think I'm I think I'm a quite um flexible person when it mm-hmm. comes to like going with the flow and you know yeah. not letting you know crazy amounts of rules really affect me. And Funnily enough, it was before I'd become close friends with them, but our mutual friends, Catherine and Tom. Yes. One of the nights when we were in rehearsal in Toronto, I remember them saying, like, we were just like, the people who were new to cruise life, they, we were like, okay, how do we think this person's going to deal with cruise life? And yeah. when it came up that I was the subject, they were like, uh, I think you might have some uh, some learning curves <laughs> with the cruising. And I was like, oh, please, guys, come on. I'm, <laughs> I can handle it. And then I got to the ship and like day three, I was like, Oh my God, you guys were so right. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's something else. It's so, um, I always say that you just have these blinders on for however long your contract is. You almost, like you have contact with the outside world, but you're not affected by anything in the outside world. The only thing that affects you oh, it's a is that boat. <laughs> exactly, yep. 
Um, I know that you were also, and this, I, I, I love this, and I want to know everything about this. I know you were one of the producers for Be More Chill. Yes. And yes, I want right. to know how you got involved with that. And I want to know, did you have any, um, what's the word, any involvement in the casting process? And just tell me everything. Because I think that's just so exciting. I feel like that show had a lot of um, younger producers, which I think is so it great. It's just You're so great because right. the theater, you know, we're evolving all the time. And so there's just new energy and new voices. So I love that. So tell me how you got involved with that. Sure. And, you know, this story actually involves another Disney Cruise Line alumnus, um, Connor Tinglum, who is my producing partner on the okay, show. Okay, yes. Um, so I think there's generally a bit of a, a lack of understanding about how the business end of Broadway really works, mm -hmm. especially with producing. Right. Um, and that's a, a lot to get into. But the gist of it is I, I was a co-producer on the show. And there, like you said, there was a large amount of co-producers on Be More Chill, which I thought was just the coolest thing. The fact that a younger producer with potentially not really a lot of experience yeah. had the ability to become part of that show mm -hmm. was so cool. Um, and I give full credit to that to our lead producers um Jerry Gehring, Mike Mitri and Jen Tepper yeah um I mean they they're all wonderful producers and the fact that they kind of saw the trajectory of the show the fact that the show kind of materialized from social media not right. really I mean a, a lot of a lot of wonderful work by its creators went into actually making the show but the the road for it to go from from where it started to Broadway right. was largely due to social media. Mm -hmm. um, and that was new for, to my, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of other, there's not a lot of whole, a lot of other shows that I can think of that had its trajectory to Broadway, like Be More Chill did. Yes. And I think it was really cool and really evident that part of that was that there were a lot of new, fresh producers on it. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I was really, really lucky and honored to be one of them. Uh, along with with Connor, who I actually met during my D Disney Cruise Line contract. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought you guys met. had known each other before. That's so great. We we met literally. I remember it like clear as day. The flight from New York to Toronto for day one of rehearsals. Uh, there was I knew there was one other person on that flight that was like part of DCL because we all got like a list of you know yeah. itineraries and whatnot. And so I'm like DMing this guy who I've never met yet, but who's going to be part of my contract. And yeah. I just remember Connor's like little head popping up from like six rows ahead and looking back and waving <laughs> at me. That was the first time we met. And then um, even, I think it was early in the rehearsals in Toronto, um, we started just talking about the business of theater and how we were both really fascinated by it. Mm -hmm. I had spent several years um, before touring and before my cruise contract uh, you know, learning and working for and interning for, you know, producers and a record label in a city and all that stuff. Okay. So I was kind of very much a beginner, but I had, you know, I had had some years of working in like a hands-on environment with yeah. it. And Connor um, hadn't, but if you know Connor, and I believe you do. Yeah, yeah, um, I know Connor. He's, he's got every, you know, characteristic that you need to be a good producer. Um, so we, we started kind of talking about it. And I remember 
so many days in Cove Cafe just kind of talking about what we would want to do and work on after getting off the ship. And yeah. um, I actually left the ship a week before the end of my contract because I was offered the opportunity to join the Kinky Boots tour. Um, I remember which I that. Couldn't, I couldn't turn down. Yes. So I ended up leaving early. But when I was on that tour, I got a call from Connor about Be More Chill. And it was a show that I had heard of, but didn't know too much about. I think he was more in tune to like, um, I think it was, uh, I'm not sure the school, but the school that the, the composer went to, I think he had a connection with and showed me the project. I thought it was a really fun show. I thought mm -hmm. what was going on was really cool with it. And so the two of us kind of got involved and, um, you know, had a, a wonderful investor that we work with who was also really excited about the show. A lot of stars came together and we were able to make it happen. So that's that's the kind of the, the nutshell of that story. But uh, now to answer totally. your other question, mm -hmm. I had literally nothing to do with the audition process. Um, okay. My level of producership didn't go anywhere near um, the creative table when it came to casting and stuff. In fact, majority of that show's cast was already from the, you know, from the very beginning, from the right. earliest readings. I mean, Joe Iconis definitely is one of those people who keeps his family and friends close mm -hmm. uh, with projects, which He's I great. love. And I think that's amazing. Um, so no, I had nothing to do with casting of the project, but, um, but it was, it was a really cool ride to be on. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure. For sure. Uh, I know that you have done a lot of big shows. I know you're currently in the the Broadway National Tour of Fiddler, and you've done tours of Kinky Boots. Um, you've done Bullets Over Broadway. Um, so tell, oh yes, he's he, he, you can't see, but he's wearing a Bullets Over Broadway hoodie. <laughs> wearing my little hoodie, yeah. <laughs> um, Tell me what for you has been the best experience that you've had in an audition room? Oh boy. Um, it's, you know, it's funny because I would say I've had so many different types of auditions. Mm -hmm. um, for example, my Kinky Boots audition was filmed literally in on deck one in like a corner of the ship <sighs> with, you know, I mean, it, it, I would say that, I mean, that was a great, I had a fun time doing that audition. And I was like, literally, I remember my, my friend, Tom, um, who's British and the, the sides and the, like the accent that I needed to do was British. Yeah. So I was like, Tom, I need help. I need you to read this with me. Catherine, can you go ahead and film for me? Like, it was just, it was like a guerrilla style. <laughs> and it wasn't in an audition room. It was in an echoey iron chamber of oh, a, of a yeah. <laughs> in between a two show Monday or port day. It was like so random, but I absolutely loved the, um, the fact that we had to put it together that way. And then the fact that it turned out that I got the job was the icing on the cake, of course. Yeah. But um, another um, great audition room story, it, it was actually the Bullets Over Broadway audition mm -hmm. um, because that one was, I had done one tour before that. It was uh, the tour of Jekyll and Hyde, yes. um, which I love that show. But it, it's been around for several years. And we were, I think, maybe the fifth or sixth tour of that show to go out in its life. Yeah. Um, so it was a wonderful experience. But then the next tour that I did was Bullets. And that audition process was 
for the first national tour of this show and mm. Broadway legend Susan Stroman was in in the callback yeah you know along with I believe family members of Woody Allen uh like it was like a big full room full of people and so I remember it was terrifying it was 100% terrifying yeah and I don't usually get get nerves for auditions like a little bit but I don't usually get mega nerves for auditions I quite enjoy the audition process but standing outside waiting to walk into that room I was like "Uh um okay this seems like a way bigger deal than I've ever been and um they had I I would say singing is my strongest suit of the three main like triple threat things Mm -hmm. um and I remember like they had me vocalize the end of this song called let's misbehave where it goes let's misbehave don't that's the end of the song. It's really yeah. fun. But they had me like vocalize up the scale. And um, I it was fun for me because it, I knew that it was like one of my stronger suits. And I was, yes. if I was going to get to impress anybody, this might be it. Yes. Um, and the musical director kind of just kept going up the scale and I just kept singing along. And I don't really know how ridiculous it sounded by <laughs> the end because it was quite high up there. But I remember like it was the kind of thing where by the end they were like, all right, that's good. And the whole room was kind of like in a good mood and everyone was kind of happy and playful. And I remember walking out feeling like, I think I booked that. Like, I think I got that. (laughs) And it's not always when you leave the room and you kind of get that feeling. Right. But when you do, you do, you know, so that I would say that's probably one of my favorite. I love that. That that story made me feel good. Just listening to you tell it. That's fine. Yeah. That's a a great story. Sometimes if you just... Sometimes if you kind of try to leave the nerves at the door and walk Mm. in with a completely empty, you know, sense of what's going to happen. That was the thing is I was in there, I was going in the hallway waiting to go in. I remember thinking through every possible way I could mess up. I was about to curse. I'm not sure what the cursing level is. No, you can go ahead. (laughs) You can fuck up, it's fine. (laughs) I, I can fuck up 10 different ways. I can ruin my career because I can go in there and sing flat and then Susan Strowman's heard me sing flat and there goes everything, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, but, but, you know, you take that breath before you walk in and you leave all that at the door and you're there just to do your thing and do the best you can. And when, and then when, when something like that, where you, they ask you to vocalize something, when that breaks the chain of like, I enter, I greet them, I say, hi, I nod to the pianist and he yes. starts my song and then the, you know, when something happens where everyone's broken from that mold and we're just like, let's let's do this and see what we can figure out. The pressure goes off, you know? Yes. Because now you're moving away from like what you're supposed to have prepared, you yes. know, to, you know what, you haven't prepared this. So whatever happens is what's going to happen. And also um, that's when you, so re- I, when you are, because then you're Andrew, you know, like you go in there with a, with a character in mind and you're like, I'm going to try and show them that I can be this person and then when they let you improvise or then you have to kind of show them because I think that's when they want to see who you are exactly oh it's always absolutely so yeah that I I really I look back fondly on that audition for sure so tell me because you look back so fondly on that audition which auditions Mm -hmm. do you have you completely blocked out of your mind because they were so bad (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um well definitely I two come to mind and funnily enough the other the second one is also a bullets over Broadway okay <laughs> um there were several days of callbacks for that tour anyway, okay. the first one though I will go in with the Disney Cruise Line one and yes, it's it's me. kind of like it's not a unique story I 
remember going in and then getting that callback. I think they, they give you like a, a, a yellow card yep. or something. We, we all know about that yellow piece of paper. <laughs> oh, we do. Yeah, yeah, you get a thing that's like, hey, you're, you're good enough to see again here. And then you have like physical proof of that in your hand. Yes. Um, I was given um, um, Friend Like Me. Believe okay. The name of the song for a second. We love that. Uh, Friend Like Me from Believe um, to sing. Mm-hmm. And I was definitely sick. I, I was, I had a cold. I was not feeling well, but I'll be damned if I was going to let that stop me from going in and at least giving it a shot. For so sure. I don't remember a whole lot from it. I don't remember who was in the room. Like now that I know the creatives from Disney Cruise Line, I wish I could remember who was in that room. Cause yeah. I could, I could be like, remember that, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I just, it was one of those, like, I sang the end of the song and that last note did not come out. Not only did it not come out, it was the worst it could possibly have sounded. And I think they were sympathetic to the fact that I was sick, but did not, did not book. So I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe the lesson learned is if you're sick, maybe just call them and say, Hey, I'm sick. If you're having auditions in the future, like I'd love to come in, but I, I don't know, like my, my personal, like, drive I don't know would let me do that I think I'd like go in and be like well let's yeah. pray that the snow comes out and if it comes out great and if it doesn't at least they can see what my personality is like yeah I I've, I've had a similar experience <laughs> where I also was ill and had no business being in that room because I didn't mm-hmm. sound like myself I was just and um and I but there was nothing that was going to keep me from that room if I had to go exactly. there on a stretcher, I was going to be there on a stretcher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. That's always me too. And sometimes you have to just learn to be like, you know what? Yeah. It's not going to happen today, guys. I'm it's so okay. sorry. <laughs> and I think for the most part, people understand we are humans and we're not robots and we do get sick and that happens. Right. Um, so that was that. It was a bombed final note. It happens. You get over it. Happens to the um, best of us. The, <laughs> The other one, I don't, I don't want to say it was the worst, but it, it comes to mind because it was the dance portion of mm-hmm. the Bullets Over Broadway callbacks, and I'm, I'm no dancer. Um, <laughs> I, I can, I can, I can get, I can get there. I can, you know, if I'm, if I have to dance in a show, I can spend every night for twelve hours in my apartment learning and learning and practicing and drilling it to make yeah. sure that it's there for the show. Yeah which is a majority of my life when I was in the rehearsal process for Bullets. Yeah. Um, but, it, but an audition room setting to pick it up fast, mm-hmm. um, it's not my strong suit. Uh, it's, it's probably the weakest of my overall audition game. Um, and so I was thankful. I'm not sh- I don't think the previous story about the final callback room with Susan Stroman had happened yet. I think this okay. was like a, one of the more preliminary auditions. Okay. I had had like the, the regular audition where you sing and they're like, oh, you're good enough. Let's see if you can dance. Yeah. And here we are at the dance call. <laughs> and this is generally where I lose the job um, because I was in for the ensemble and I hadn't done a whole lot of being in the ensemble. And mm-hmm. I don't say that to sound like a diva. I just, my type, I'm like a big, I'm a substantially big guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm generally some kind of um, character role in the right. show. I'm, I'm usually not a lead in the show. 
I'm usually not in the ensemble, but I'm I'm one of those few other characters that pops in and out. And I I love that I've made a career out of doing that. Yeah. Um, this was a show where I was in an audition to be in the ensemble, like the dancer dancer ensemble. Okay. Uh, I had seen the show on Broadway. I had seen that there were some bigger guys in the ensemble because it is, of course, like the mob in right. New York. Yeah. You know, so they're not all going to be these svelte, perfect looking dancers. For sure. Uh, and so I was like, well, there's a chance there. But I mean, the, the audition, the dance audition is where it tends to not go my way. So <laughs> I kind of approach and, and that's happened before. I approached it the same way I try to approach every time is my dance skills are not going to get me this job. So something else about me in this room is going to have to get me the job. And yeah. that's going to have to be personality. That's going to have to be being the smiley, like, looks like a nice guy, looks like someone you want to work with. Yeah. And you just got to show them that maybe they can get you there. Like, show them that you'll work your ass off to get there. Yes. And, and for the most part, I think a, a creative team can tell when someone, mm-hmm. you know, has, has enough, you know, skill to get through it and to pick it up but maybe just isn't picking it up in the audition room yeah so I remember that I mean I don't think I had a very good dance audition but again I I got the show and 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 in retrospect I learned that there were like three tracks in the ensemble that were specifically made for non-dancers we were kind of in the back of the group in the big dance number Mm -hmm. but um but it was some some modified choreography to make it a little easier to pick up for us. Um, I didn't know that going into it, but in retrospect and having done the show for over a year, like I remember, oh, well, okay, yeah. So they've thought about that. (laughs) They know that they have a few tracks they need to fill with people who are maybe stronger singers and actors versus dancers. Um, But I wouldn't say it was the worst audition, but it was another lesson I learned. Yeah, and and, and that's so true. I feel like... Um, for me anyway, I'm always like, where's the lesson? What can I learn from this experience? Um, there must yeah. be, you know, the lessons, the lessons, there's always a lesson somewhere. Um, you've spoken about, you know, you like the Disney one, you audition and then you don't get the job. So how do you deal with the rejection? Are you someone who's able to kind of just brush it off or do you wallow for a little bit? Oh no, it's brushed off. I, one of the one of the things I, I learned early on that I always remember is the minute you walk out of that room, you've got to forget about it. Yeah. I mean, the minute you close the door and you pick up your stuff from the holding room, it's like it never happened because you're you're not going to book every job you get. It's a For simple sh- fact. Absolutely. And yeah. I think I think the sooner you can key into that and realize that it's most likely not about your talent or your ability. It's more Mm -hmm. about whether you fit a very specific puzzle piece that a director and a choreographer and a creative team and a whole number of things have to go right for you to get the job. That you realize that 9.9 times out of 10, it's not about you, it's about them. And I, you know, once I kind of realized that, Mm-hmm. I don't think I, there's there's been some auditions I've had that I really wanted to get and didn't and I was bummed about it but yeah um, I mean rejection is just if you're in this industry rejection is something you kind of have to get good at being okay with yes otherwise it's gonna it's gonna wreck you yes um, I think also like you said um, 
the more you the more you do it the more you're like you know what it's actually not about me um there's it's not that I it's not it's got nothing to do with like my lack of ability or you know there's there's other factors of course you know we always are we're actors and so we're like oh, what could I have done better maybe if I sang this song instead if I wore this or if I did that but um you, you're right and I think the more the more we do it the easier it becomes to kind of deal with right. and to, to kind of brush it off yeah definitely Definitely. It's, it's certainly, like you said, the more you do it, the more you get used to rejection, the more it just becomes. But at this point, I kind of feel like, and I say at this point, let's, we're talking about up until March, 2020, because now yeah. the world's very different. But, yes. Yeah. But I mean, up until, up until that point, like, yeah, you just kind of, you do it two, three, four, six, seven times a week, you go into an audition and you kind of just have to do your best and then yeah. forget it ever happened. And then when you get a phone call, with good news then great yeah great look I'm not gonna lie when you when you're fresh out of college those first few rejections are like oh my god I have to leave this industry because I'm obviously no good you know you just destroy yourself oh, absolutely <laughs> absolutely um tell me or talk me through your audition preparation how do you prepare for an audition do you have a kind of set ritual that you do do you have a set songs that you use um not really um i do have like my core couple of songs that yeah. i would use if it was if, if i wasn't given the material to work on beforehand mm -hmm. um one of the things that i found ever since i started working with my agent is that a majority of auditions i go on it's actually you get the material they want you to do for it which i definitely prefer oh yeah i love that i 100% would love love that um but sometimes they don't so you have some stuff prepared in your back pocket for that but i don't really have much of a ritual um as far as preparation goes i prepare the material to it yeah. you know as as close to perfect as i can get it um i think it's really one of the really important things about audition preparation is to know the material as cold as possible yeah um, so that you're not focused on words or things like that because then you know you're immediately your focus is out of it you're not focused on performing the material you're focused on what's the next verse yes um, yes and that can be a detriment so really it's just it's all about preparation and getting it you know doing your homework uh, I also like to arrive like a little obnoxiously early to auditions. Yes, um, that's me. <laughs> I I don't I I hate the stress of feeling like you're running late. I yes. detest being late ever. Mm, um, same. But I do kind of like if I'm there an hour beforehand, then I know like I can rent another studio and warm up on my own and be in the space and you know if it's the summer, maybe stop sweating from the summer, like the New York City summer heat. Yeah, like that's the worst. Is you get there five minutes before your audition, they call you and you're still like dripping from your like walk from the subway to the yes. audition studio. So, um, I, I really for me, it's just getting there early, but that goes along with you know, then you have time to get yourself in the right headset, headspace, and prepared. Yes, and stuff like that. So. absolutely yeah I'm one of those people who are like I'll arrive the night before for a flight you know because I don't want to miss anything I want to be late yes. ever <laughs> so I'll camp out yeah. outside that that plane gate but I won't be late for oh, anything yeah. oh always yeah 
Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Andrew, tell me what has been the, the best audition advice that, you, that you've ever received? I would say um, it's, it's not advice that I have received like someone gave it directly to me. Oh, but yeah. actually, it's a, it's a, it's audition advice that I heard from the actor Brian Cranston, mm-hmm. um, who I'm I'm a massive fan of. I think okay. he's wonderful. But he gave this advice once talking about auditions, basically saying that you need to drop the fact that you're there to get a job. Like the goal of your audition should not be to walk out with the job or to get the job. The goal of the audition is to present the best possible version of what you do to the people in that room and that that. each audition is just a performance opportunity it's just an opportunity for you to do exactly what you love yes and if you take the stress of the audition out of it and just say you know what this creative team has given me a minute and a half to perform and do what I love at my best yeah and that's what your focus is on I mean it's a world of difference and I remember I remember hearing that and then spending a few weeks trying to like work that mindset into my day when I was doing auditions and then eventually Mm -hmm. it kind of just clicked it just clicked where you know fuck the job yeah I'm 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 here because and and like like I said before and a lot of times you're not going to get it for a reason that's not your talent so yes why not go in and make a good impression with the people in that room who are likely to cast something else someday mm-hmm. and leave a good impression and at least leave the impression of that's a, that's an actor who does his work because he loves what he does. And it's not just about getting the next job and getting the next paycheck and, and yeah. whatnot. And of course, <laughs> the reality of it is, hell yeah, I need that job. Yeah, for sure. But 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 to take that mindset out of the audition and to really focus on the fact that no, this is just a performance opportunity. Yeah. That's I think that's the best advice I ever got. And it's it's helped me the most with regards to like the audition room mindset. I really I love that. You know, doing this doing this podcast, I, I've just because I've heard so many different pieces of advice and a lot of people are have said, you know go in there and just um, treat it like a workshop. It's a free dance class. Or, um, you know, my, and I had a guest, uh, Sam, and she said, I, for me, it's, if you, if you see me for five minutes, I'm going to, I have those five minutes to give you a show and I'm going to give you the show, mm-hmm. you know? So, and I love that. And, you know, doing this podcast has been so great because I feel like when we go back to auditioning, I have the, I have all these new tools that hopefully will make the process better, more enjoyable than, than what mm-hmm. it has been, you know, in the past. Right. So I, yeah. I just, yeah, I, lo- I love that. Um, <clears throat> I, um, I always ask my guests these two questions and um, okay. are they fun questions? You can just relax. Great. <laughs> okay, so and this the first question applies to the theater or film or television. In your opinion, who for you was so perfectly cast in a role that it doesn't matter if they redid it 
forever, it would never, no one would ever match that person in that role. Mm, wow. Oh my gosh. You know, I, I kind of feel like this is a cheap, a cheap answer, but there's so many different things running through my head. And the thing that really popped up first is, is Michael Scott is Steve Carell in the office. <laughs> it's one of my favorite TV shows. So I, I've not watched that show. Oh, okay. But well, I, I know it's, it's just, it's just come to Netflix. And my sister has, I think she's binged the entire thing in like a week. And it's all she oh, it's talks about. <laughs> it's my favorite show. If you get so, a chance. No, I, I, so now, I mean, I have the time. So now I must, I, I need to watch the show. Yeah, I just think, I mean, Steve Carell is, is a, a celebrity for many reasons. But, you know, for those who have watched The Office, I mean, mm -hmm. he found a way to take an unlikable character and make you love him. You know, okay. he found a way to take an unlikable person. who The whole point of the show is, well, there's a lot of, but the, the whole point <laughs> of his character is that he's a, a stooge. Yeah. Um, but he found a way to make you love the shit out of him as an mm -hmm. audience. And I think that's really impressive. Um, so I, I'm going to make that my official final answer. We'll take Steve it. Carell in the office. Um, I feel uh, like I could, I could do so much better with that, but you know. But we'll take Steve Carell. <laughs> Steve Carell, I'm always, um, I'm so in awe of him as an actor. Do you know, I think... For the, for the longest part, it was always just the comedy guy. And then yeah. when I watched him in uh, The Morning Show, I think that was the first oh time I God, saw him I in, a, in a dramatic role. It. And I, my God, that I just, yeah. no, I, he, it blew my, my mind. Yep. Yeah. He's I, ju I just ju like, so I'm good. I'm talking like this week, this week, I just watched The Morning Show. It's so good. It it's so good. That scene in the hotel. I'm not going to say <sighs> anything else for anyone who's watching. But I was a heap for a it's, bit. That yeah. was in set intense to watch. And yeah, I, I, like you said, he's he's so good. He's yeah. He's, he's just so yeah. so good. Um, okay, the second question is okay. And I, I always say this one sort of applies more to the theater than anything else. If you okay. could play any role, male or female, if you could play any role, which would it be? Shrek. <laughs> you I, would be a great Shrek. You didn't even think about that. Oh, it's, it's because it's, I'm so ready to, for someone to do that show and let me play Shrek. I'd love to If anyone that. is listening. Because like I said, I, I don't usually get the chance to play like the lead in a mm -hmm. show, the, yeah. the guy. Um, yeah. and, and I'm more than okay with that. I love, like I said, I love the career that I have and I love the roles that I get to do. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times I kind of feel like the character guy is way more fun to do than the lead. Uh, yeah, but way less pressure. <laughs> Shrek, is, Shrek, is, Shrek is the is kind of like the perfect character actor lead of the show. I would really love, and, and that score is like Beautiful. stunning. But so, I, and I think uh, yeah. your energy, you have such a great energy um, that oh, that that character, would it's perfect for you. It's just perfect. Yeah. So that if anyone my, is... That uh, would be my, my immediate answer. My yeah. other answer, I would say, is, is Jean Valjean 
in Les Mis, yeah. mainly because, like I said, I, I, I love the fact that like singing is my strong suit. Yes. That score and playing that role terrifies me and it makes me want to do it. It makes yeah. me want to have that challenge because I can't think of a bigger vocal challenge or really challenge overall for an actor than playing a role like that. But yeah. it's, it's up there in the dream world purely because it terrifies me. Yeah, absolutely. if something scares you, then you must do it. Like I had a conversation yesterday where I was like, I'm so terrified of doing Shakespeare. And so I know I have to do Shakespeare now because it terrifies <laughs> me. So now I have to go and do Much Ado or something like absolutely. that. You know? um, absolutely. Yeah. There was something you mentioned that I wanted to say about that, about that role. Because that is a, um, I think the pressure on that role, just because it's been done by you know such greats before so exactly. you know so you have yeah. to kind of so yes you must do it now so who if if everyone wants one, to revive shrek name oh, is andrew <laughs> is available <laughs> let me know i am well right now i'm available for literally anything you got he's <laughs> ready after he's a year ready. of this after a year of this hiatus it's like i can't wait yeah i can't wait to do anything ah uh, same same um, Andrew, thank you so much for, for taking the time and talking to me today. I really appreciate it. And I hope that you oh, will be back on the road with your Fiddler family really, really, really soon. We hope. We're, we're looking, it's looking like the fall might happen. I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed yeah. for that. Hopefully by the end of the summer, we're starting to do rehearsals. Yes. I'm just kind of like right now, that's my guiding focus. But Thank you so much for asking me to come on the podcast. It was such a fun time talking to you. Thank you. Before I let you go, will you please just tell all the listeners um, where they can find you on social media, how they can keep up to date with everything that you're doing? You know, when you book Shrek, we need to know sure. where, where you are and how we can see it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would say my Instagram is probably the best way. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I am not on the TikTok Oh. I don't really use Twitter or Snapchat very much. I know I'm like, it's horrendous of me to say that. But no, Instagram but I, is uh, Andrew B. Hendrick. <laughs> Andrew B. Hendrick is my Instagram handle. I, I'm on there quite a bit. Um, Facebook, which seems to be like an outdated thing that no one uses no more, right. is, uh, is just my name. So uh, y'all can find me there. I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> perfect and the podcast we're on instagram too at hope i get it pod i have my own instagram at taryn stain and andrew again thank you so so much to everyone who tuned in thank and you. listened to this episode thank you i hope that andrew has inspired you i'm always so inspired by the things that you do i'm always like oh look what he's doing oh he's so great <laughs> oh, thank um you. so thank you and i hope that you guys will join us for another episode next week with another guest Thank you again for joining us for this week's episode and thank you to our sponsor, the podcast, Are You Okay? with Teeny Lewis. <laughs>